Welcome to New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening, our program focuses on retirement and financial planning. I've done over a thousand programs about the importance of individual saving for retirement. The reason being is that statistics reflect that only 6 to 8% of South Africans can retire comfortably. I'm shocked that there's a movement which has been debated in Parliament allowing those contributing to pension and problem funds that they be allowed to make withdrawals whilst working. Normally the only time you can withdraw from a fund is either resignation, retrenchment or retirement and obviously death. Without going into all the reasons why so many are unable to retire comfortably, the one overriding reason relates to individuals not preserving their retirement savings, particularly when changing jobs. I understand how difficult it is for those who are retrenched and do not have a job to make ends meet. It's sad and a major problem in this country. However, those who can put food on the table, namely those who are working and contributing funds, are now short of money, primarily because of their debt. With interest rates rising, it's going to get worse. And joining me this evening is Daryl Bennett, Wealth Advisor, Sassfin Wealth, and Jordan Toy, Wealth Manager, Legacy Family. Guys, good evening to you. And guys, I'm really pleased to see we're in the same uniform. I mean, we're unprepared, we're all in, all in blue. Well, I had, I had a red striped shirt on for Valentine's yeah. Day, but I was told it was no good on TV. So I, I, just, I just wonder, are we all feeling a bit blue about what's happening in the markets over the last couple of weeks and, you know, all the sentiment we'll talk about a bit later. Daryl, how do you feel about th th this whole story about being able to withdraw from pension funds? Yeah, listen, it's sad, Brian, uh, but the reality is that uh, people need money. And if they're working and they're lucky enough to have a job, they're still under pressure. So there must be a big push back to government to allow people to access money somehow. But we've got to see it work in, in, in practice, and we've got to see that the life companies and the asset management houses have got their administration and systems in place so that they can monitor it and measure it and allow for what the government is proposing that they do. Yeah. Look, I understand people who aren't working who are locked into retirement annuities and maybe on, on, on retiring the, on, on resigning or retrenchment, they need the money. But we're talking about working people who, if you've got, you can only be contributing to a pension or provident fund if you're working. So that means you can put bread on the table. I just don't understand that. However, let's understand if interest rates do go up six or seven times in South Africa over the next two years, working South Africans are really going to find pressure because none of them can actually have a home or a car without having debt. Yes, but going back to work, you say people are working and they're the ones who are allowed to take a, a redemption out of their pension funds, but maybe their partner isn't working. Maybe their partner's been retrenched and there's a lot more pressure on the breadwinner. Yeah. So, but yes, with interest rates going up, listen, they're going up in 25 basis point increments, but I think, I don't think it will have a major impact. I'm more concerned about the oil price and, and, and what happens to the rand. That's very inflationary. Well, the rand's been pretty strong. And if you look about, the, you know, if you look at the oil price at the 94, 95 level, and, you know, we have problems in Ukraine and Russia, uh, then we're going to see the oil price go up. And maybe if the rand stays at this level, we, we're definitely going to get a bit, another petrol increase in, in March. Jordan, welcome to the show. Now, this is Thanks the first time me. you've been with us, and lovely to have you out. Jordan, you have a very different touch to retirement planning. You think maybe the way me as an older guy, Daryl is a slightly younger guy, you know, you've got a, a completely different approach. I wouldn't say it's a completely different approach. I mean, I'm not, we're not here to say that we're going to dramatically overhaul the retirement system, or the current financial planning system, at least for retirement. Um, it's more slight tweaks, I suppose, that you've got to look at new products and new accounts and these things that become available. I mean, a tax-free account is not brand new. Um, but to look at different ways to, to spread your retirement funding across different accounts. 
um, as opposed to you know the old traditional, not old traditional, but the tick box approach of going, you know, I've got an RA, I've got a pension fund at my company, I've ticked that box, my retirement's taken care of. Um, we look at the tax-free as an opportunity to, obviously you can have a higher offshore allocation in that account. The RA also has an offshore allocation aspect, but it just gives you a bit more flexibility in terms of withdrawals. Um, I know that, pre let me state up front, that obviously withdrawing ahead of retirement from a retirement account should be avoided at all costs. But, you know, as circumstances can unfold, you know, we've seen with the pandemic, some people under severe financial pressure. And, you know, if retirement's 15 years away and you've got an immediate need now, unfortunately, and no other funds, you may dip into that retirement uh, pool of funds. And we feel that the tax-free account just gives you a little bit more flexibility as well as, you know, you're getting benefits of a slightly different tax advantage to count from the RA, you're getting a bit of a blend of everything. Um, and yeah, we feel that that, uh, that that positions you well for retirement, especially a lot of my younger clients, young professionals, you know, who have quite a high risk appetite, or some of them do, where appropriate, you can, um, you can obviously use up that offshore allocation, um, and they make the most of it over time. You know, you mentioned younger clients, I think younger people have to take on more risk, particularly, you know, you've got your short, medium and long term time horizon, but for long term, you, the trouble is people don't take enough risk. You know, they, they think they shouldn't. I mean, you've got a 20, 30, 40 year time horizon. I mean, you've got to be as growth orientated as possible. No, certainly. Obviously, you know, there are other factors to consider, but in general, you know, the younger you are, if, you, if you're investing in low risk investments, you know, you, you're beating inflation by a small margin. Um, and over time, that compounds. And the difference between a small inflation beat and a larger potential growth that you can achieve over time through equities, certainly it leads to big differences in ending values. Because Daryl, one of the reasons, I mean, I mentioned the main reason is people don't preserve. So now they can withdraw from their retirement funds. It's going to have a major impact at retirement. But other reasons are people start too late. They don't, they don't save enough. And how do you feel about, certainly when you've got a 15, 20 year and longer time horizon, about being much more growth orientated rather than being quite conservative? Look, as you say, you, you, you need to start saving when you're young because it's the compounding effect is going to give you the growth over the long period of time. If you've got 15 or 20 years, you can't force out a return, especially at the markets at where these levels are. You know, if you're looking for CPI plus 10%, let's say, it's too high. You've then got to reconsider your plans for retirement. If you are supposed to retire in 15 or 20 years, or 10 or 15 years time, perhaps you need to find another source of income. If, if you're in an employment that's, that, that's sticking to the retirement age of 65, you know, there's so much the market will give over a long period of time, even the growth assets give you, say, CPI plus six or seven. So if that's not going to be enough, then you've got serious problems. You've got to downsize, you've got to look at your budget, you've got to spend less, become more prudent, and look for other sources of income so that you can retire later. Daryl, also another thing is very simply is people are starting to wanting to retire a lot earlier. I mean, there's been a big push to allow people to take early retirement, not realizing you take early retirement, you save for a much shorter period of time, and you're now probably going to live that much longer. Exactly, and that's where you're getting the, the, the compounding effect is at the end, you know, it's like snowballs. So one's, one should look at the different scenarios before one just pulls the trigger or commutes your retirement annuity. Yeah. Darren Hurlingham asks, is it, is it better to contribute to a retirement annuity or a tax-free savings account? A retirement annuity, yeah. because you're getting 27.5% as a tax deduction. And if you bear in mind, if you work out all the taxes we're paying in this country, you put petrol in your car, you're paying tax. You're buying something at the stores, you're paying VAT. So if you add up all the taxes along the way, we're paying a lot of money to, to the fiscus. So if the government is giving you a tax break, 
take it. So if once you've utilized your 27.5%, which is capped at 350,000, and you happen to have more disposable income, then put it into a tax-free saving. And Jordan, I mean, the tax-free saving at the moment is 36,000. You make the point that it's, a, it's not an or. I'm going to buy a retirement or I'm going to buy endowment yep. policies, or I'm going to buy tax-free saving. It's all about an and and making sure that you're saving enough for a time. I've got a question a bit later, a little bit later on, which is an email which we'll deal with that as well. But um, Jordan, uh, Barry Belita says, what impact will rising interest rates have on my investments and cost of living if I'm still working? Well, the main thing you've got to look at is, obviously, we're in an inflationary sort of cycle, if I can call it that, and likely to follow is interest rate increases. We've already seen two from our Reserve Bank and globally, Reserve Banks are positioning the market for interest rate increases over time. That typically is going to start to constrain economic growth, and you would imagine, I mean, economics is not a clear-cut science, but it's going to put some, some negative pressure on companies, and you've seen um, some quite significant stock price moves recently, especially in the US. I mean, January, I believe, was one of the worst starts to the uh, on record for the US market. So there's quite a lot of, that's at least a short-term impact. But if we look at the data and we look at history, over time, let's say in the last 50 years, there's been numerous in, uh, inflationary periods and interest rate cycles. And yet the S&P, at least in the States, has, has produced inflation-beating returns for the most part. Um, so beyond that, that's obviously you know, a view on, on how that could affect your investments. You'd have to look into your portfolio and see what types of assets you're holding. You know, if you're holding a high percentage of fixed rate bonds, that, that could be quite negatively impacted by interest rate increases. Equities to a degree as well. Um, another important thing I think to consider would be your, your costs, uh, your cost of living rather. So debt is a really important one. Um, you know, vehicle finance, home, home loans, stuff like that. It's, it's almost certainly going to increase your debt service costs on a monthly basis will go up. Um, and whether you're a, your, your salary is going to increase by inflation is less certain. So I think uh, you'd obviously have to look more detailed at what you're holding in the portfolio, but to sit down with, with a financial planner and have a look at, firstly, what your debt is made up of, and, and secondly, what you're holding in the portfolio and what, what uh, impact you can expect. I mean, if you're getting salary increases of 6%, the first thing that comes off that is tax, then a contribution will be, maybe the first thing comes, further contribution to a retirement fund, then you're going to be paying some tax, and depending on your tax rate, you're certainly not going to beat inflation. I've got a, I've got a slide that I've, I've put up here which I found very interesting, because at the moment there is so much concern about interest rate rises and inflation in America. And I've got a slide up here, and it's quite interesting, the, the reading. This is, this is, I think, 14 times over since 2000, sorry, to 1954 to 2019 when the Fed Reserve have put up rates. And only once in that time, if you look at the first column, that's the Fed fund rate, uh, change in rates. For example, to, to, uh, 1954 to 1957, they pushed up rates 2.7, the markets went up 33%. And if you have a look, only once did the market come down, and that was in 19, um, uh, 1972. But all the other times, even in 2004, when interest rates went 4.2%, the markets went up 12%. So historically, the America's not put, they put trillions into their market to, to boost their economy and to grow their economy. And they've done a fantastic job. I mean, they're not really worrying about who's going to pay all this money back and all the money they printed. But it just goes to show that this fear that people have about inflation and the fear of interest rates doesn't necessarily mean that's the end of the market. Daryl, how do you feel? Yeah, no, I agree with you, Brian. Look, it just depends on what kind of inflation it is. If it's demand pull or cost push, and I'm not going to get all technical around that. And 
funnily enough, back to that, that table is in the 70s where, where they had the oil crisis and interest rates went sky high. The market didn't do too well. But I think, you, you know, we in an age of the metaverse and we're in the age of super tech. And, you know, if your portfolio is positioned with the right companies that are... Um, that are cash generative, that have got a competitive advantage, you're going to be okay. Even if, even if the price comes off 20% and you hold on to it, it will recover, you will get earnings and valuations will catch up with earnings and you'll get dividends and they're good companies and they're not going to go anywhere. So, well, th so that's the way to Yeah, a big, big difference putting money on red and black, seeing the money exactly. disappear as continue because you only really lose when you sell and if you're in quality, you don't need to sell. We're going to take a break. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.